comes from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was saying, was trying to see who Jesus was, and was unable because of the crowd, for he was of small stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they all began to grumble, saying, He is gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Good morning. It's good to see you this morning and just appreciate this opportunity to speak to you and just wanted to say thank you on behalf of my family for your warm welcome. We really do appreciate the kindness that you all have shown to us. Have you ever had anybody say to you, wow, you're tall? Uh, I haven't, ever. I take it back. There was one time I was at Gulf Coast Bible Camp. We were at junior week, so that's a week of kids that are in the first through the fifth grade. And we were on the basketball court. And I was playing against these first and second grade boys, and this kid drove towards the basket, and I just swatted his shot. I mean, threw it across the parking lot and was like, take that, son. And he looked up and said, wow, you're tall. And I thought, yes, I am. Yes, I am. That's about the only time in my life that I have ever been considered tall. But it it reminded me that being tall is kind of relative. It's really based on who you're around. So if the vast majority of us were to spend some time with NBA players, even the tallest of us in this room would be considered short. And if you're like me, well, you're just short everywhere you go. There's a guy in the Bible by the name of Zacchaeus who everybody agreed that this guy was short. And in fact, for 2,000 years, the whole world has agreed that he was short. I mean, imagine your name written in the most read history book of all time. And every time people read it, they were reminded that you just didn't quite measure up. So this morning, I want us to read about and study the life of Zacchaeus, a phenomenal encounter with Jesus. Mitchell read it for us, and I want to just take some time to dig into it a little bit this morning. Luke chapter 19, verses 1 and 2, it says that Jesus enters Jericho and passes through, and there was a man there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector, and he was wealthy. So if you're like me and you grew up going to church, then you've learned about Zacchaeus probably in Sunday school, maybe in vacation Bible school. And you might have learned during that time that Zacchaeus was a tax collector and people really didn't like tax collectors because, well, let's just be honest. I'm sorry if you work for the IRS in this room, but nobody likes paying taxes today. Amen. There we go. And, and so nobody likes tax collectors. And maybe that you learn like I did that Zacchaeus would collect taxes and if the government said you had to pay 30, he might tell you you had to pay 50, and then he would just pocket 20 bucks. You also probably learned about Zacchaeus from Vacation Bible School, that little song about Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. I mean, how can you be mad at a wee little man? Shouldn't we all feel bad for the guy 
that he's known forever as a wee little man. That would be so embarrassing. Please don't refer to me that way, okay? That's just very embarrassing. So anyways, imagine how can you be mad at such a wee little man? That's not why everybody hated Zacchaeus. In fact, it's much deeper than that. It's a lot more serious than that. I want you to imagine living in the time of Zacchaeus. And at that time, Rome rules the known world. Their empire stretches from England to India. It is a massive amount of land. And Rome is the most dominating and brutal empire to reign the world up until that point. They had a massive army that was really, really good at what they did. And when they would come into a city, they would defeat the city, build a statue of Caesar, and then require everyone to bow down and worship the statue. And if you didn't bow down and worship the statue, they would just kill you on the spot. Their soldiers, their stories told that they would burst into houses, they would uh, kill the young men, they would take whatever they want, including some of the young women, And there was no law against the soldiers. There was nothing you could do for any injustice that was done to you by a Roman soldier. There are stories told that the Roman army would go in and they would just slaughter every person in the city. And they would line their bodies on crosses for miles and miles and miles leading into the city so that no one mistook, mistaken who was in control in this city. Thousands, one story tells of 30 to 40,000 bodies on crosses lining the roads miles and miles leading into this city. Can you imagine living in that time? And imagine that you're a Jew. You've grown up learning that you are God's chosen people, that God is going to do amazing things through you. And that as God's chosen people, He has blessed you with this land. But there are these infidels. There are these awful, wicked people. This Roman government that is oppressing you, that is keeping you from being who God truly wants you to be. And you're waiting on the Messiah. You're waiting on the one who most Jews in that day believed would lead them in some type of rebellion. And they would overthrow this infidel, evil government. And now imagine... That one of your neighbors, the guy that you grew up a couple of houses down, went to high school with, went to church with, little Zach, you remember him? He now went to the Roman government, paid a large sum of money, and is now collecting taxes on behalf of the government that you don't support, that you want only the worst for. And now he has become one of them. There's no modern equivalent today. There's only one word that comes to my mind to describe somebody like Zacchaeus. It's not a wee little man. It's a traitor. It would be like one of us selling out to a a foreign government and selling secrets to a foreign government in order for them to overthrow us. That's wicked. Do we all agree that that's wicked? And there's a lot of hatred for people like Zacchaeus. Not just because they take more than they should, but because they support something so evil, so against God, and so against everything that they have ever been taught. Now imagine, just for a minute, 
that you go into the grocery store there in Jericho and you run into Zacchaeus' parents and you hadn't seen them in several years and you're like, hey, how you guys doing? I don't know. I thought of the name Marty. I don't know why. We're just going to call Zacchaeus' dad Marty. Doesn't tell us, but Marty sounds like a good name for a guy who would name his son Zacchaeus. And so you run into Marty and you say, Marty, how you been, man? It's been ages since I've seen you. Yeah, we're doing great, you know, just working and, you know, trying to provide, paying taxes, doing all that stuff. Oh, that's awesome. How's your kids doing? Oh, they're, they're doing great. Hey, don't you have a son? Yeah, yeah, we got a son. What was his name? Zac- Zac- Zacchaeus? One? Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's our son. Well, what's he doing these days? We don't really talk with Zacchaeus a whole lot. He's made some choices we really can't support. And he's living a lifestyle that we just, we just had to tell him he couldn't come around anymore. Oh man, it's awful. What does he do? What did he do? He's a tax collector. Oh, okay, all right. Well, it's good to see you. Have a good day. Boy, that's a conversation killer, right? Can you imagine the shame that Zacchaeus' parents felt the day he came in and said, Mom, Dad, got good news. Found a business opportunity. Going to rake in the cash. That's great, son. What are you going to do? I'm going to collect taxes. Son, we raised you better than that. If that's the lifestyle you're going to choose, you're no longer our son. Can you imagine the hard conversation they're going to have to have? And now Zacchaeus has been kicked out of his family. He's been kicked out of his religious community. He's more than likely been exiled from the local synagogue. He's no longer a Jew. As far as everyone is concerned, he's turned his back on God. He's turned his back on his family. And the only people that like him are his fellow tax collector buddies. And so Jesus comes in to Jericho. And it says that he wanted that Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and he climbed up into this sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. I love this. God just wants to see who Jesus is, right? And here's what I want you to understand about Zacchaeus. It's, we're, we're all Zacchaeus. Every one of us is Zacchaeus. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. At some point in our life, every one of us in this room has turned our back on God. Every one of us has chosen to live our own way. We've chosen to do things our way. We have rebelled against God's will for our life. And we are all Zacchaeus. We have all not measured up to the stature of Jesus Christ. But here's the issue. Here's why some of us really struggle with this truth. It's because everywhere we look around us, whether you're at work, sometimes whether you're at home, whether you're at Walmart, you can always find a Zacchaeus. You can always find somebody who's a little bit shorter than you. Somebody who's a little bit worse than you. Somebody who sins a little bit more than you. And so what we do in our life and in our mind is we play the comparison game. Have you ever thought or said, something like this, well, I may not be as good as this person, but I am better than this person. Well, I don't do this, insert your sin of the week, 
Uh, so at least I'm not doing that. And it causes us to not recognize our true stature it, when we measure ourselves to Christ. As long as we compare ourselves to other people, we will always find somebody that is worse off than we are. But that doesn't help us because that's not the standard that God calls us to measure ourselves by. He didn't call us to compare ourselves to one another to figure out how good am I doing or how bad am I doing. He calls us to stand next to Jesus and say, now, how do you measure up? How tall are you compared to Jesus? Oh, not even close. Yes, that's where God wants all of us to start. There, understanding that every one of us is Zacchaeus. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And and I love that the story keeps going. It says in verse 5 that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I love this, man. It says when Jesus reaches the spot. What spot? Was there like an X on the ground marking some buried treasure or something? No, when he gets right up under that tree, it's like Jesus walks into Jericho with one mission. The only reason why I am here is because of that guy right there in that tree. That's the only reason why he came. He walks right up to the spot, ignores the crowd, looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come on down, brother. I'm going to hang at your house today. Can you imagine Zacchaeus? He just wanted to get a glimpse of Jesus. Now he's having a conversation and now Jesus has invited himself over to his house. That is amazing. And it reminds me of this truth that Jesus will meet you where you are. It does not matter what is going on in your life. He will meet you where you are. For Paul, the Apostle Paul, it happened to him on a road to Damascus while he's on his way to throw Christians in jail. For Peter, it happened on a boat early in the morning after he had got done fishing all night. For a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, it happens to her at a well in the middle of the day with nobody else around. For me, it was a Sunday night in April 1999 where God caught my heart. Where did Jesus meet you? A couple weeks ago, last year, 10 years ago, 50 years ago. I want you to remember that moment. I want you to think about all of the circumstances that worked themselves out to where you say that's nothing but a God thing. The only reason why I'm here today is because of this person that God put into my life and it just happened to be that they invited me to the place or that I just happened to be at the right church or I just happened to be at this event or I just happened to build this relationship and the next thing you know, I met Jesus and the rest is beautiful history, right? Could it be that you're here today because God wanted you to have that kind of Zacchaeus moment? You may not be in a tree, may not even be in the balcony, but that God brought you here today because he wanted to meet you where you are. And he wanted you to know that you are valued, that you are important. He will meet where you are. But man, the story keeps going. It says that in verse 7, all the people saw this and they began to mutter. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Even the sinners are like, Jesus, this is crazy. How can you go to Zacchaeus' house? He's like lower than the low. I mean, he's worse off than the bad people, you know? Tax collectors were a totally different 
category. And so it seems like at some point that Jesus has now made his way to Zacchaeus' house. And imagine getting home, and let's just speculate for a minute that Zacchaeus is married. Maybe there was some sweet woman out there who decided to marry the man that everybody hated. You know, there's people like that in the world. And so he gets home and he says, honey, honey, guess what? Jesus is coming over. And she's like, Jesus, Jesus who? Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, I got to clean the house. I got to fix my hair. And he's like, no, no, honey. Like, no, he's here. He's coming over. Like he's in the front living room. And she's like, oh my goodness. I told you about bringing people over without telling me. Well, honey, it's not just Jesus. Like all of my coworkers, there's like 50 people. Uh, I just need you to fix something, right? You know, she's like, we're going to talk about that. Hi, Jesus. So nice. Thank you for coming. You've had those kind of moments, right? And so they gather together around dinner. And here they are enjoying this meal together. And Zacchaeus at some point just stands up and he says, look, Lord, today, here and now, I'm going to give half of my possessions to the poor. And his wife's probably thinking, well, which half, sweetie? Your half or my half, right? Just kidding. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I love that. If I have cheated, if, what do you mean if? You're a tax collector. We all know you cheated somebody out of something. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Oh, that's amazing. Do you see the, the experience that Zacchaeus is having with Jesus? His life has been changed forever. And it just reminds us of this truth that, yes, Jesus will meet you where you are, but he will gracefully take you where you never thought you could go. He will gracefully take you where you never thought you could go. And so here is Zacchaeus having this experience of repentance where he realizes that his life has not measured up and that now he wants to do things differently. And so he decides that he no longer wants to be a taker. He wants to be a giver. Lord, I'm going to give half of my goods. I'm going to restore them four times what I took from them. That's what Jesus will do. He will flip your life upside down. He will make you do things you never thought you could do. You will think things you never thought you could think. The desires of your life will totally change. Where it becomes about just getting as much as I can get and enjoy this because this is all I got. When Jesus comes into your life, you realize it ain't all about this. It's not all about just accumulating and gathering. But it's about blessing it's about giving because of the greatest giver who gave his life for us. But there's another very powerful verse right at the end of this story, and I don't want you to miss it. Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Don't miss that. This man too is a son of Abraham. He's gone from taker to giver. Now he's gone from traitor to son. Everybody kicked him out. His parents kicked him out. His friends from high school kicked him out. His religious community kicked him out. They all said he was worthless. The worst of the worst. And Jesus walks into Jericho, right up under that tree, changes his life and says, 
You're a son. You're still a child of God. And it just reminds me, and I hope that it reminds you as well, that when we look at the lives of other people, we shouldn't look at their worst. You ever done that? I know you have, because I've done it. I remember before Haley and I had children, we'd go to a restaurant. We'd be sitting there enjoying a nice meal, except for this little kid that's screaming his head off. You ever had that happen? You're like, man, somebody needs to get that kid, just wear him out. That kid needs a good old whooping, and that will fix everything. You ever thought that before? Yes, until you had children, right? And then it's your kid in the restaurant, and you're like, please, please, whatever you want, I will give you if you will just allow us to enjoy dinner. iPad for days, you want candy, you want cash, like I'll fork it over right now, buy you a new truck when you turn 16, just please allow us to enjoy Waitress, we got to take this meal to go. We've had to do that before. This ain't, just, this ain't working. We're going to eat in the car, right? And, and then later, after your kids got a little bit older and maybe out of that stage, you sat at, at a restaurant and you saw that family that's just over there struggling and they're trying to keep their kids quiet because they know they're interrupting your dinner and they know their kid is going nuts and they're doing their best and you're just sitting there thinking because you've been there before and you're like, oh, bless that sweet family. That little child, they just need a little love. You're no longer thinking that kid needs a whooping. You're just thinking they need a little love. They just need attention. They probably need a nap, right? You see how your mind has changed? Instead of thinking the worst about that child and that family because you've been there, now you're assuming the best. And maybe even you're like what has happened to us before where somebody walks over and they're like, hey, I just want to tell you, you're doing awesome and you're not bothering us at all. And we love children and we know the struggle. I remember when that happened to us, it's just like, wow, okay. All the other 27 families in here are currently judging us, but this one, like, we're okay. We can survive this meal, right? Still going to take it to go for embarrassment, but thank you. That is so encouraging. And it just makes such a difference when you look at people, you don't see their worst. See, when Jesus looked at Zacchaeus, he didn't see tax collector, kicked out of community, kicked out of family, kicked out of synagogue. He saw a child of God, and he reminded him of that. Zacchaeus, you're still a son of Abraham. And if everybody in your life has kicked you out, Jesus says, I have not, and neither has my father. Man, what a message for the world. Who so many people think they have out the grace of God, and they have not. And they think they have gone too far and done too many things wrong and that God has turned his back on them and has just left them. Oh man, dig into the Gospel of Luke. Read chapter 15. Read the story of Zacchaeus. He has not left anybody. In fact, if nothing else, he is searching and searching and will go right where you are and meet you in that spot and totally change your life if you will open your heart up to him. And then as a result, he will take you where you never thought you will go. He will flip your life upside down. He will totally change you from the inside out. And the next thing you know, you're looking at people and you're not seeing them for their worst. You're just seeing them as who they are. They're just children of God. They just need an experience with the Savior just like you had. And that's all that separates us because we're all Zacchaeus. We're all in the same boat. None of us measures up. It's only by the grace of God that we are here today. So today, if you feel like you're a Zacchaeus, and you feel like maybe today this is the point in your life where Jesus has walked into your life, walked right up to the spot, looked at you and said, hey, 
Let's quit wasting time. I'm coming into your life today. Oh, we'd love to help you with that. We'd love to see your confession as a sign of your belief. We'd love to uh, encourage you to be baptized into Christ. Begin that walk with Him. We'd love nothing more than to do that today. Maybe you've kind of taken a different route. You've been baptized into Christ before, but you've kind of walked away from that. He's still searching. Jesus is still coming after you. And He wants to call you home today. There is no shame in this crowd, amen? No reason to, to feel any shame because we're all in the same boat. We're all Zacchaeus. And we would love nothing more than to just gather around you, pour into you, pray over you, and walk with you as we all seek to follow our Savior more and more. If we can help you in any way, we've got a song selected that we're going to sing. You just come to the front. We'll assist you in whatever you need. Let's stand and sing.